I have something that I want to read to you. It may, I may not be able to do it. Because right now it just looks like straight lines across the page to me. This is one of my favorite books uh, to study. It's called the Unger's Bible Dictionary. Dictionary doesn't really do it because it's more of a, a, not a commentary, but it's a commentary of facts. So uh, it's more like an encyclopedia than it is a dictionary. And it's my favorite book to draw references from. Not the only one, but <clears throat> when my grandson was much younger, he would come in uh, and play games with me on the video. Back in those days, it was like Mario Brothers. Nowadays, it's who knows what. But that was the, the cool thing, Mario Brothers or something like that. And we'd be playing some kind of partnership with our guys. And he would say, I made a stake, which is short for mistake, you know. And because we were off the side of the kitchen, Jackie would say, Connor, it's mistake. And so we'd be playing a little while later. And he goes, oh, I made a stake. And Jackie would come over and say, Connor, it's mistake. So we, we go, we're playing. But I think that probably happened three times. And we're playing some more. And all of a sudden I go, oh, I made a stake. Yeah, I've never been one of those guys that, you know, I always like what the kids say and, and then say it 10 years past the time that they stop, you know, and people look at me like I'm funny. But uh, so anyway, I said, I made a stake. And Connor looked at me and says, Pa, it's mistake. <laughs> and I thought that was very funny. And so, <clears throat> so, uh, Last week, I made a stake. And I actually knew that I made a stake at the time, made a mistake at the time, because when I said it, what a person, and I'm not going to tell you who they are, and I'm not going to uh, tell you of what gender they are, goes like that. And as soon as they did it, I said, to myself, I made a stake. And the reason that I said that is because I know if this person was disagreeing with what I just said, then they were probably right. So I go back, I've started going back to find out where I got this information. And I think I, I, think I got it from Munger. So I go back and investigate and I made a stake. And I want to correct that to you today. And I've said it in a number of circles, and I don't know, I, I, I think I know where I got mixed up when I read this. But I'm not 100% sure. But I think you can understand when I read it to you, you can understand how I got missed, how I made the mistake. Right? I said last week uh, that Nazareth was a plateau. If you remember, if you don't, shame on you. And uh, from anywhere around Lazarus, you could see uh, Israel. 
um, that was a little wrong. As a matter of fact, Lazarus, did I say Lazarus? Nazareth. Why? Almost made another stake, didn't I? Well, I'd have had to raise that one from the dead. Anyway, um, Nazareth, excuse me. Now, Nazareth was considered a less than spiritual area of Galilee. It was part of the southernmost part of Galilee. And it wasn't on a plateau, it was in a basin. It's just a little mistake I made. And when you were down in Lazarus, Nazareth, excuse me, Nazareth, you can't see anything except Nazareth. All right? So that's just a little little mistake. Opposite of what I said. Okay, this is location of Nazareth. And it says, uh, it's situated on the most southern of the ranges of Lower Galilee, about 10 miles from the plain of Esteron, Esteralon, Esdralon. You cannot see from Nazareth the surrounding country. That's just a little off, wasn't it? I said you could see everything. You know, that's why I wasn't true. And this is where I think I, I made that mistake, but maybe not. And it says, uh, for Nazareth lies in a basin, but the moment you climb to the edge of this basin, what a view you have. Estralon is before you, lies before you, with 20 battlefields. And it goes on and names off half a page of things you can see from that point. So you see, if you climb up to the edge, you can see most of of uh, and in uh, uh, most of Israel. You can't see Jerusalem from there, but coming down from uh, when you go to Jerusalem and you want to go to Galilee, you'll climb, and at one point you can see all of Jerusalem from the the hills or the mountain range before you go down. And uh, it's interesting because I, I, I like to watch the, the Jesus move me, movies and uh, look things up when I, it doesn't sound right. And mo- I'm, I'm surprised and amazed at how many things they get correct. It's shocking. And not just facts, but uh, beautiful uh, teaching from the Word. It's just absolutely beautiful. And so when they were, he said, we're going to, to his disciples, we're going to Capernaum. Capernaum is part of Galilee, and it's up in the northern, it's northern of Nazareth. He says, we're going to go to Capernaum. And then in, <clears throat> in Capernaum, when you get up on that mountain range, that's when he turns around and they say, look at those walls. They had never been to Jerusalem before. They were coming from Bethany, all right? And they'd never seen it from a, a, a visual point before, the disciples. And they say, look at those walls. And that's when, at this time in the movie, Jesus begins to say, uh, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
You who have killed the prophets. Oh, that I would take you under my wings as a hen. And he says that to them, but they're leaving the area and they're going into uh, probably Nazareth because one of the first places he goes to is Nazareth. In, in one of the Gospels, it says it's the first place. In another Gospel, it t- says that he goes to the upper part of Capernaum, which is Zebulon and Naphtalim. So that's what... Uh, I just wanted to straighten that out. I wish I, wished I could read this very clearly because I think you would have enjoyed all the things you can see from the edge of, of Nazareth. And it kind of... Uh, coincides with when he's tempted, you know, where he goes up into a high place and Satan says, see all these kingdoms I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. So consider it done. I'm probably going to have to tell some other people about it because of the problems. So let's put up 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy, not Timothy, excuse me. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Right. This is going to be a very uh, let's see. It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, to its teaching. Reproof. This is going to be some reproof for some of us. Me included. Okay. So it says Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace be to you multiplied. So grace can be multiplied. He wouldn't be praying for something. And you know, before I go on, it says in James, you have not because you ask not. So if you put yourself in agreement with Peter's pray and pray that grace be multiplied to you, you, it, it will be done. It shall be done. Grace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge, through the knowledge, it's through knowledge of God. That's one reason, though, even though this was not a scripture mistake, it was a mistake and it was knowledge. And these, these things of knowledge are important. It's important for us to know history and geography and such. And it says, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. There's a verse of scripture that says, my, peer, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Great, excuse me, according, according, as, the, he hath, <clears throat> according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. That's a big mouthful. I think I'm just going to not engage there right now. Uh, Whereby, and everybody, well, most people know this verse, maybe not by heart, but you've heard it said at many, many services. If you've been here or if you've listened, something, a reference 
to this indirectly was said during worship, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Now, there was a guy in California by the name of Dick Mills. He's, he's on the list of prophets at Bethel that they list. And uh, we considered him to be a prophet uh, when he was traveling around. He came to Teen Challenge a couple of times and he prophesied over Jackie and, and me. And so uh, uh, he went through the Bible and he underlined and counted every promise that's in the Bible. Now that's a direct promise. I will, if you will, or I will. Period. You know? And so uh, it's, it's like the promise, the first promise uh, after the fall of man, it was to the devil. He says, a seed's got to come from a woman and she, he, she's going to crush your head and you're going to bruise his heel. And so anyway, he came out that 8,800 promises are in the Bible. That's direct promises. And this is named Dick, Dick Mills. If you ever want to listen to him, if you get, get these, I listen to a lot of his teachings. And so he memorized all 8,800 verses. Pretty impressive. That's one out of four verses in the Bible. So it's about 40 plus thousand, 50,000 verses in the Bible. The one thing I want to point out here is the purpose of the promises according to this scripture. The purpose of, I said you have not because you ask not. That's James 4. James 4 also says, but you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, because you ask to consume it on your own lust. All right, now look at this verse. Whereby are given unto exceeding great and precious promise, that by these you might be a partaker or partakers of the divine nature. See, this is the purpose of the promises of God. It's like the verse of Scripture that uh, in Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. But he that comes to God must believe that he is. Nearly all translations, except for the King James, and I don't think the King James differs from this, it's, but it's said in a, a, a different way, must believe that he exists. All right? I prefer to look up, I prefer to say that he is God. You know, God says, I am Well, the reason he says I am is because he's all-inclusive. He's everything of God, right? But he's also saying I am God, right? So must believe that he is God. You know, in in my favorite uh, area in the Bible that talks about salvation is in Romans, the 10th chapter. And it says the word of God is near you It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And then he says, For uh, whosoever believes that Jesus is the Lord, confesses him to be the Lord, 
and believes that God has raised him from the dead, Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. Now there's an interesting connection here. It says, must believe that Jesus is Lord. Confess him to be Lord. There's a difference in the names of Jesus and it's important to understand the name Jesus, Yahashua or Yahashua, correctly pronounced in the Old Testament, is also Joshua, but it means he, God who saves, Yah, Yah is the shortest name for God, Yahweh. Yah means God, Yahashua means he, God who saves. All right, so God is our savior, but confessing him to be our savior is not what gets us saved. Not according to Romans, the the, uh, 10th chapter. What it says is confessing him to be our Lord. Lord is different than salvation, than savior. Lord, from the Old Testament, we sing a lot of songs to Adonai. Uh, One of the most famous is one of Amy Grant's Christian where she says Adonai in the scripture, talking about all the names of God. Adonai, in the, I don't, when you look it up in the Old Testament, which is Lord, it says, uh, it, it's interesting because Adonai in the strong says an emphatic version of Adon, which means it's even more extreme than Adon. And it says that save uh, Lord Adonai in the Old Testament, you know, sometimes people say teacher for that. No, that's not the word for teacher. No, the word for teacher is a different, different word for Lord. It, sometimes the word Lord is used for teacher, but that is not the word for teacher. Adonai, and it says emphatic, Adon. Adon says it is the sovereign name of God, and it is uh, to be, it's, it's a mistake to see that as a common name of God, like the word El, E-L, or Elohim. Those are common names for God. You know, uh, it, it, it does, it's not his name. It's like, I'm a man. That's my name in a sense, I'm a man. But my name is Don. That's the proper name. The property says this is a proper name for God. Because this is exclusive for him and him alone. There is no other God that is sovereign God, sovereign Lord. And that's Adon. And Adonai or Adonai is the emphatic version of that, which means it all the more important. And it says that's what we have to confess is our Lord. And you know when the word confession You've heard it before, homo. It starts with homo, which means like man in some cases, but it actually means same. The word homo means same. Homo logio. Logio is word, logos. Homo logos. The word homo same. Same word. Same saying. If you look at, even if you look up the word in the Strong's, it says to say the same thing. So when you say he is Lord, 
You are saying, because he is risen from the dead, he is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, he's the boss, he's Adonai, or Adonai, or Adon, however you may say it. And it is a proper name of Jesus. And it's by confessing him as your Lord, you shall be saved. You will know him as Yahashua when you confess him to be your Lord. Hello? Do you, do you, you follow that? Now, why is that important in this particular case? It's because all the promises of God, we had a, a verse uh, shared, all the promises of God in him, that's in Jesus it's talking about, is yes and amen. Yes and amen. There's your emphatic there. But you see the beginning. I want to go back to, to Hebrews eleven six. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. That is God. But he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And that sounds like, oh, I get reward like Solomon did, you know, in a way that's true. But if you are seeking that, if that's your, you know, there are two kinds of values in this world. There is eternal value and there is temporal value. Riches and honor and things of this world are temporal values. God wants us to be eternal value minded. Esau was the temporal value minded. He wanted that bowl of pottage and he was willing to give up an eternal value, which was his birthright. So to confess him, Lord, is also in Hebrews eleven six to believe the, the reward is him. The, he that believes, uh, he that comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, that he is God, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, you see, the reward is him. And in this particular case, the promises, excuse me, the promises is it says you might be partakers of the divine nature. See, God wants us to see that there is no greater value. There is nothing greater on this earth. There is nothing to even compare to it than to, for to us to get him. You see? Then the depth and the riches of glory of God is to, to be ours. And it says, partaker of the divine nature. And just in case anybody gets confused about that, it says, having escape that is in, excuse me, escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. And there you go again. You have not because you ask not. But if you ask and you ask amiss, you may be asking because you want to consume upon your own lust. Hello? Now, God does miracles for us. And he'll do, he does miracles for you. He's done miracles for me. He's done miracles for Karen. And you know, some of those miracles, he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends his rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He loves us all and he'll do just He'll do wonderful, mighty things for us. Okay? And, you know, when you believe, believe for those things. But understand that the purpose, the purpose says of the promises of God is that we may be partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Amen.
All right, now we're going to get into something. If you think that was a spanking, it was for me. It is every time I think about this verse, it's a spanking. All right, let's really get to it. Next verse. And besides this, besides this, you know what that means? Including this, included besides this. Giving all diligence. Giving what? Diligence. Say diligence. And add to your faith virtue. You know what virtue is? Moral. Moral power. Not moral condemning power, but moral power. Moral agent. And to virtue, knowledge. You see, God wants people to seek Him through His Word, to be like Him. We sing the songs, I want to be like you, Jesus, to see you, to reach out and touch you. You know, is that, are you looking for some like super spiritual experience? Or do you really want a transformation? Then you have to add, besides this, add to your giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge knowledge to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience sorry I wasn't more patient with you Rakesh I got to add a little patience to my life patience and to patience godliness you know that's holiness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love Notice that there was a difference between brotherly kindness and love, right? Love is patient and kind. I always think, well, boy, did Paul get that right in the order in the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. You know what? God wants you to be patient with others and kind. Right? Most of us will be kind when others have been kind to us. So God wants us to be kind, but because patience comes first, he doesn't want us to expect that they would be kind to us. See, that's patience. It's easy to be kind, well, it's easy to be kind when somebody's, or be patient when somebody's kind to you. Not always, I I, I err in that department quite a bit. All right. For these things, if these things, say if. Do you know what if means? If. One of those words that people don't really grasp. It's such an easy word and we get it. But in our world, if you say, if I get the time, I'll be over. What did they just hear? You're, You're coming over. You're coming over. And if they did hear if, they would probably say, you're not coming over. <laughs> but if once, once you say, I'll be over, uh, I'll be over Tuesday if I can. But that became a promise. It didn't matter about the if. <laughs> am I right? Or am I right? At least, I don't know, maybe not. Well, this is an if. For if, if these things be in you, 
a little bit. Wait a minute. No, 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 I didn't say that. It says, if these things be in you and abound, they make you. All right, now I'm going to just, I'm, I'm going to share something and I'm going to get in trouble with it. I know that there are scriptures. First of all, I'm going to be careful. I know that there are scriptures that says, that um, uh, God keeps us. You know the scriptures? Right? It says that uh, we're kept by the power of God. Kept by the power of God. Alright, so and that, that's, that, that's, this is an antinomy. You know what an antinomy is? It's when things sound like they conflict or contradict, but both are true. We're kept by the power of God. There's nothing you can do without God. You can do, you can do nothing apart from God. But this, these things right here, it says, if these things, these things that we have just declared, be in you and abound, if, back to the if, they make you. They make you. What? that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren. It's kind of like if you continue in my word, then you shall be my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Some translations say, set you free. Okay, set me free, make me free. I like make better. All right? Now the point I'm making is, is if you continue in my word, then you will be my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It's the same thing here. They make you that you shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next one. But he that lacks these things, but, boy, I tell you, uh, uh, the Bible is sure full of a lot of conjunctions. And you know what conjunctions are? Well, you didn't have to watch Electric Company with your daughter every day when it came on. You know, because they used to, an electric company is just a little bit above Sesame Street, all right? And they would have this little thing on there which says, you know, where they're teaching them English and things in it. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? And then it gives it, and if, but, 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 you know, conjunction, junction. I didn't watch it enough, apparently. You know, but I always love those little things. What's your function? They'd have a, a railroad train on a track, all right? And then the, the railroad, the engine would back up and connect to a car behind it, you see? A freight car. And then they would back, they would, and they would show and, but, if, all these conjunctions connecting to the train. And these are con- connecting 
to the train. It says, but he that lacks these things, he that lacks these things is blind. Whoa! Can we walk with the Lord and be blind at the same time? Yes. I mean, with him that keeps us, but we can, we can be at odds with our walk with God. Hello? It says, he that lacks these things is blind and cannot, cannot see afar off. Now, this is huge, huge about what it's about to say. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wow! And has forgotten, blind and cannot see from afar off. And what's it going back to? It goes back to the very beginning where it says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these promises you can be a partaker, you will be a partaker of the divine nature of God. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and uh, temperance, and to temperance, knowledge, and to knowledge, virtue, add to your faith, virtue, and virtue, temperance, and so forth down the line. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, uh, but he that is lacking these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he has purchased of his own sin, sins. You know, I, people ask me, says, Pastor, do you believe in eternal security? If you don't know what that is, Good. So he says, do you believe in eternal security? I said, I believe I am. <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but I know I am. <laughs> you know, part of eternal security comes from just believing in it, you know. Believing God's got you. Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go. You know, that's what I was talking about before. But I'll tell you, when I read these kinds of things, he's blind, cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Kind of makes me wonder just how eternal secure I am. If, see, this is where it comes in, see. There's two things at work here. One is the sovereign will of God, all right? And the other one is the free will of man. And sometimes they're, sometimes they're always just exactly in conf- confliction with one another. God is not going to violate our free will. We have a free will to choose. Right? And that's why it says, he that, he, he that does these things, you see, he that uh, it, it abounds in these things, they make him to be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He that doesn't these things is lacking. Now, oh, you say, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Sometimes I feel like I'm in trouble when I read that. Because I don't feel, well, what, what chance does anybody have? It's kind of like when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said he did all these things from his, from his birth. You know, he, he honored his father and mother and he gave to the poor and he, 
prayed and he worshiped God and everything. And he says, one thing you lack. <laughs> you know, when you surrender to God, God's going to go to that one thing every time. Did you know that? It's like a closet that you got something packed away in the back and you're like the door shut and not going not gonna to open that door. He says, excuse me, I go straight to the back. Something, something that. He says, he that lacks these things is blind. Let's look at the next verse. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence and make your calling and election sure. Did you see that? Did you read that? Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence. Not asking God to give diligence. He's asking you to give diligence. To make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Sounds like if you don't do these things, you're in for it. Doesn't it? Hello? All right, let's, let's, let's uh, do one more. A couple more. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? If these things be in you, for so an entrance. That sounds like it kind of is a good argument against eternal security, doesn't it? You know? If I can forget that I am forgiven of the sins that I was purged from, if I can forget that, maybe you know someone who looked like they were on fire for the Lord and they walked away from it. I know someone. You reminded me of them when I, uh, when you were talking. This person was at a retreat-like place and it had a blizzard came in and it was like living off the you know the land and stuff at that time and what they brought and they didn't have any water but the well was out there and so this person this Christian thing okay this person tracked through the snow right and they wanted to rate get the well but the 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 rope that raised the, the thing, had fallen and was just in, just out of reach. And so he starts to go over the side of the, of the, of the well and reached down and he just about got it, oh, he got his hands on it and then his, he started going. And he held back from going down with his feet spread out like that and he was caught. That was the only thing that was holding him back. And he said that it was so cold that his tears were freezing as they came up. They came down and he was, he was just about frozen. And he, and he said, God, save me. And he just, he let go. And he felt two hands, something like you were talking about. He felt two hands grab him on the legs right there. 
and pull him all the way back and set him down. And he turns around and he wanted to thank the person who did that. And this guy was a pretty big guy to start with. It had to be a strong person. There was nobody there but two, just his footprints out to the well. And they, nobody, nobody could have got away that fast without stirring the snow and everything. It, it had to be an angel. What else could it have been? And so this person had several other miracles in their life that happened like that. And this person is living in a backslidden stage today. You see that? How is that possible? How is it that you have tasted of the sweet things of God and then backslid? I did it twice. 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 And there ain't no, nobody said, well, you didn't really have it. I had it. You can backslide. And this is, this is your part, your part in the walk with God to make sure you shall never fall. You shall never backslide. That's what the scripture said. You, if these things be in you and abound. And then it says here, they will make an entrance for you. I, I'm telling you something. I, just, I guess I just want to say, don't take your walk with God for granted. I'm telling you, it's, it's, a, it's serious. This is, this is not game time. If you continue in my word, how many of us continue in the word of God? How many... Who, the, the one person is, is not here right now. When they said no, and I think it was involuntary. I don't think they were trying to point, point my mistake out to me. And when they said it, I knew right then and there that I'd made a mistake. Why? Because, see, I know this person. And if this person says no, then they're right. And I made a mistake. And I said, I got, I'm going home and I'm going to look this up. And sure enough, uh, I, knew, I, I knew it. I just knew that I'd made a mistake. Why? Because this person knows the Word of God. And you say, well, well, it doesn't say anything about Nazareth and the Word of God. It says more about Lazarus than this. Hello. Hello. I mean, I've, I've seen people walk away from this and I'm just totally dumbfounded. How is it possible that they could have tasted of the sweet things of God and have seen things of things to come? That's what I'm, I'm quoting, kind of not quoting uh, a verse of scripture. But here it says you can. Now, no wonder the next verse says this. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. And this, I think, personally, I guess it's me. It's one of those parts that maybe isn't sanctified yet. But I totally believe that what he's about to say there is being sarcastic. Though you know them, 
and be established in the present truth. I don't need to tell you about these things because you already know these things, right? I don't think so. Otherwise, he wouldn't say, I won't be negligent to put you in remembrance of these things, though you know them. <laughs> and, you know, you just read Second Corinthians sometime and look how many times Paul says something sarcastic. You know, I, I, always, I always like that kind of thing anyway. That's one of those parts I guess I need to repent of. One more thing. Because the word sarcastic means to cut, you know. And uh, I don't know, God's word is sometimes cuts, but I don't think God, I don't ever hear Jesus being sarcastic. But uh, hello, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, what are we to do? You, you, you tell us what to do, but we, we can't do these things. We can't be what you're saying to be. We can't be a partaker of the divine nature uh, without you. Uh, you keep us. But Lord, it's apparent that there's some responsibility that are put upon our shoulders, Lord. Responsibility to let the promises of you cause us to be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence and add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things be in us and abound, they will make us that we will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And besides this, Lord, we will never fall. If these things be in you and abound, they make you. Lord, we want to be made by you. Hallelujah. Help us, Lord. Help us. For without you, we can do nothing. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen.